Hello. This is a quick introduction to advise that the podcast does often include adult themes and adult language, both from the books and the hosts. The podcast does also include spoilers for the books that are being discussed. There may also be occasions where you can hear us drinking cocktails, and if you're really lucky, you may be able to hear the sounds of our pet pooch Peggy walking around and scratching herself. Enjoy! Welcome to episode seven. Seven. Seven of man, it has been seven. Seven. It feels of... like we've been doing this for about three years. <laughs> well, we've had a big break, so I think first of all we should issue like some sort of formal apology. apology. Yeah. For our Can we absence. have this written for like Instagram as well? Yeah, our absence last month. We have had COVID, we've been unwell, and we've had work done to the house. So we've not been able to get inside the studio. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is, though, we've got a bigger studio now. That's the reason we were having work done on the house. Yeah. The commission from the podcast yeah. has been so we've delightful ha- that we've been able to afford an upgrade. Yeah. We've put a £100,000 recording <laughs> studio on the back of the house. <laughs> to bring this wonderful podcast to your ears. Re- just re- I mean, I've had to take out quite a heavy... F- loan in order to afford it but i think we can all agree it's worth the investment for those 55 people that listen to this podcast people pay for their art yeah you know anyway this month's book is going to be the perfect letter by chris harrison now i feel like straight out of the gate we should clarify who chris harrison is because some people might not know i think a lot of people listening to this won't know we we are aware of him. So when I was thinking about this podcast, I I was kind of tangentially thinking about our academic past. And I don't mean this episode, I mean like this this podcast in general, the concept was slightly linked to both of our masters that we did. Mm-hmm. So when I was doing my masters, I was talking I was looking at the work of um cultural capital and things along those sorts of lines. So basically it says that like um, I'll understand a certain joke because I'll have certain points of reference. So therefore, those certain points of references are that I've watched certain television shows or certain news events or certain things along those lines. And I would say, as a couple, we have quite a healthy cultural capital between us. Mm-hmm. We go to the theatre. Mm-hmm. We um, like to watch films with subtitles from time to time. <laughs> We're assholes, basically. Yeah, we're terrible assholes, and we and no one likes to spend any time with us. But, Which is why we're doing this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we only like to spend time with each other. <laughs> but we also absolutely love trash. Yeah, trash television. We're there, it's front a and center. Massive vice. Yeah, and if it's some form of nonsense dating show, <laughs> count us in. Yeah, we're there. So Chris Harrison. That's where the link has come in. Chris Harrison is the host of an American television show called The Bachelor, the spin-off Bachelor in Paradise and The Bachelorette. Mm -hmm. The basic premise being that The Bachelor, there's one man and 30 women that are all vying for his attentions. Mm -hmm. So he whittles them down week by week. They get handed a rose, which means that they can stay. Will you accept my rose? Yeah, that sort of thing. 
And then at the end, he's meant to propose to one of them. And it's been something that's been parodied as well on... I think there's a Netflix show which is a parody of... Yeah, Burning Love, it's called. One. Yeah, yeah. With a lot of which is also good to watch. It's Maybe absolutely not. terrible television. Yeah. However, it is also at the same time very compelling. Yeah. So if you ever want to talk to us about... Um, you know any cultural things that you do you do not have to talk to us about um something that you saw at the theater um or a fancy book that you've been reading you can just talk to us about shitty dating shows and we'll probably know what you're talking about yeah we'll probably have seen it yep but so yeah so there's the bachelor there's the bachelorette which is the same premise but there's a a female lead with all the men yeah and there's bachelor in paradise which are all the ex-contestants come together on a tropical beach in mexico and try to find love with one another yeah and it has a great theme tune that one as well yeah um it has also spawned spin-offs so there is a uk version um which has had six series <laughs> all right someone's done research yeah well that's what i'm known for that's what i'm famously known for in these in the books yeah in these books uh six series two of the contestants gavin henson he's a rugger man he used to play rugby he's a professional rug player was he the one who was married to charlotte church maybe my, I feel like my research, <laughs> if I had to keep I going that deep, that. <laughs> I'd have never stopped. Sorry. And then another bachelor on that one was Spencer. Spencer Matthews. Oh, yeah. Rem- we from watched that. Made in Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, so there have been English versions. I don't think Chris Harrison hosted those ones. So no. that's basically what Chris Harrison is known for. It's hugely successful in the US. Yeah. It sort of drives its own fame. And he's done it for many, many years. And He's an American institution. Yes. So, this book, The Perfect Letter, we have our titular trio, shall we say. Nice alliteration. Thank you. So, we have Lee Merrill. Mm-hmm. She's the female lead of this book. She currently lives in New York mm-hmm. with her... Well, she doesn't live with her boyfriend, but she has a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Joseph Milbury. Mm-hmm. They're both in the in the publishing, publishing biz. Yep. She is a Harvard graduate. She is originally from Texas, mm-hmm. and uh, she's from money. She is. Um, her grandfather, who she lived with for most of her life, bred horses mm-hmm. um, very successfully, so it seems. Jean. Jean. Yeah. Jean Merrill yep. bred horses, and this is where the money comes from. Yep. So Jean isn't alive in the novel, no. apart from in flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Um but an option for her would have been to stay in Texas and help with the stuff on this horse yep. breeding farm thing. Um, but it does say early on it was her dream from a, from a very young age to be a publisher. Everyone <laughs> has that dream. The thing is, like, I would have. They didn't need to be. He didn't need to be so like weirdly specific and say her dream was always to be a publisher. <laughs> he could have been like she always wanted to be in an author or to work with books yeah. like, you know like anything like that but to be so weirdly specific about like a nine-year-old to come up to you and go uh one day i want to be a publisher <laughs> it's like well, who the fuck raised you <laughs> i don't i'm not particularly convinced i know what a publisher would actually do they just read loads of shit and decide what needs to be published yeah it? basically yeah and there's a sort of i guess there's a certain sense of el- uh, editing and work involved i guess I guess it's so maybe... a weird thing for a kid to say. Yeah, it is a very weird thing. So she's got a successful career in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, her partner, Joseph, mm-hmm. um, is also part of the same company Yes, she works for. Um, I think that he is higher ranked, perhaps, Yeah, than so her. he is a senior. So 
there are some problematic dynamics with their relationship mm-hmm. that are developed quite early on because they're dating. They don't live together. Nope. He she describes him as her mentor as but he's also a senior member within the organization. So there are some sort of strange power dynamics in their relationship. There's a lot of conflict of interest in this. Mm. So but he also comes from money. Yeah, he does. He's also has a very wealthy family. Mm-hmm. But theirs is like a traditional wealth. Um, and then the third character in this triangle is Jake. Now, Jake is rough around the edges. Rough around the edges. So, Jake is rough from and tumble. Um, Texas, or at least from Lee's Texas days. Um, they met on Gene Merrill's farm, where mm-hmm. Lee grew up. And Jake's father was responsible for a lot of the breeding of the horses, the successful yeah. breeding of the horses, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more later. When Jake and Lee first met, they didn't hit it off. They had some arguments, but as often happens with these kinds of relationships, it escalated into a very highly sexual relationship. Um, well, a lot of the, a lot of their relationship is sexual. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Don't say yeah like that, creep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also, as a side note. The two books we're covering, this one and the next one that we potentially be doing, both super raunchy. Highly sexual. Mm. So really, we've got ourselves a little... Go on. <laughs> what have we got? I'm interested to know. What have we got? Steve, okay. you, you've been buying these books. I think there's some kind of subliminal... I have been getting a lot of erotica advertised towards me. <laughs> I'm not even surprised. Um, when Lee moves... No. When they were both younger, Mm. there's an incident, which means that Jake is ultimately sent to prison, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, And they lose contact for for a very long period of time. Mm. Um, But Jake is is presented as like this sexy, stable boy-esque type person. Um, So he is a love interest of Lee's, but in terms of societal status i suppose is the complete opposite of joseph the person who she's currently with in new york yes he is yeah rough and tumble Mm. cowboy hand basically um he helps his father with the training of these horses Mm -hmm. his father also has a business partner so his father's name is ben Mm -hmm. and his business partner is called jake oh dale yes sorry jake's his name sorry so jake's father is ben Ben's business partner is Dale. Yeah. Um, and it also transpires that actually their success is partly to do with the fact that they are doping the horses. Classic thing yeah. that lower class people would do. Yeah, turn to drugs. Mm-hmm. So, and Jake's tied up in this because he was, I can't remember if he is knowingly or unknowingly ferrying the drugs around. Yeah, he's like a drugs runner. Drugs runner, is he? So he is he is getting the drugs and uh, bringing them back to the, the yeah. farm. It transpires that Dale and Ben are not the greatest um, people. Uh, Dale tries to get very sexual with Lee when she's like 17. Yeah. He, like He sort of really lays down some smut mm-hmm. on her. A lot of this book also covers many of the tropes of, like, bad books. So we have diary entries, letters, flashbacks, Mm -hmm. which I guess kind of are partly told via the diary entries and the letters. And we also have those sort of weird um, aspersions cast towards, like, oh, I've been reading Dostoevsky. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, famous 
famous writers quoted by authors. So those things, I feel like they've been coming up in literally every book we've yeah. covered so far. Yeah. They're like an, an absolute trope of these of sorts of novels. Celebrity novels. There's a murder. A murder. But we have what we have in this book. We have this like build up of this secret. There's a secret. Everyone's Lee's carrying around a secret and a burden. Mm. And it's built up and built up and built up. And then we find out what it is. And we're given the details. And then we are proceeded to be then given the details another eight or nine times oh throughout my the God. book. Just yeah. a constant. It was like Chris Harrison had a word count. This is my main issue with the novel. The novel's like... It's not long. 150 pages too long. And it's not that long, you're right. No. So, talk me through the talk me through the murder. Because I've kind of partially forgotten, if I'm honest. So, my understanding from memory hmm. is... Is it part of the the advances that Dale makes towards... Yes, that is tied up in that. And Jake... They're in, the, they're in this barn when this happens. Mm-hmm. And Jake also is in the barn and Jake and this Dale person have a Barney mm-hmm. and I, I'm not I don't think that Jake knew about the doping of the horses business blah 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 they're fighting they're fighting they're fighting Lee leaves and grabs a gun yeah her grandfather's gun comes, which she she knows is always there yeah yeah comes back to the barn Dale ends up being shot mm-hmm. um and dies as yep. a result of his wound and Jake takes the blame for it, even though it's Lee who pulled the trigger. Yes. So she kills him. Yeah. But Jake says, leave it with me. I'll take the blame. Yeah. So he takes the blame. He gets sentenced to prison for 10 years. And in that sort of time frame, we have this dynamic of they're kind of Jake and Lee are trying to work out whether they should continue their relationship or not continue their relationship because they both say oh i'll wait for you but then there's also like i'm gonna cut you out or i'm gonna move on or those sorts of things as well Mm -hmm. he shares a prison cell with russell russell benoit russell benoit who then manages to find out a load of information about lee and because she writes letters to him yep well jake writes letters to her as well but he never sends them yeah yeah (laughs) pointless so he sends, he writes letters but never sends them. She writes letters but does send them. And as a result of that, Russell Benoit gets his hands on these letters mm-hmm. and he manages to piece together what actually happened. He works out as well that Lee's very wealthy. Mm-hmm. And so he, it transpires that he then teams up with Ben and they blackmail Lee. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's, that's pretty much the plot, isn't it, really? Yeah, so this Russell Benoit guy goes to... Have we talked about the fact that Lee went back to Texas for this conference? No, that should have been. That should have been. Right. <laughs> I so, should have mentioned that. Yeah, sorry. Because we focused yep. so heavily on the characters. So we've got Lee, our main character. Yep. We've got Joseph, her boyfriend. Yep. We've got Jake, her ex-flame. Yep. Um, d- Lee and Jake don't continue their relationship uh, in an official capacity, which is why she's with this Joseph guy in New York. Mm-hmm. But as a part of her job, she has to do this conference thing where she makes this speech, which we might talk about in a second. But this speech that she delivers is back home in Texas. Yes. Where obviously she has all this history. That's where she grew up, etc., etc. Um, But it's in Texas that this Russell Benoit guy, this guy who shared a cell with Jake, finds her and blackmails her. Yes. Just to clarify. <laughs> Prior to Lee leaving New York, 
Joseph proposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of assumes that she's accepted. But then she says... Does he? Oh, no. Is it the second time he proposes? Yeah. So, okay. So on the first time... So on the first time he proposes... That's right. He proposes... He does that in a really public way, though. And she just leaves him hanging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they're at some kind of fancy dinner at the very will start you marry of the me? book. And, and he's asks like, whether she will marry him. And she just doesn't say anything. She's like, oh, this is pretty awkward. Um, And then he then, at another point, goes and visits her in Texas. Yeah. And I don't think he even asks the question. He just assumes that... Yeah. It's a yes. So she says, well, she doesn't say anything. Then they go back to his her apartment. Mm-hmm. And then they start getting amorous with each other. Wait, is this at the start? Yeah. Okay. So this is Lee and Joseph. They're starting to get... So he, he's proposed. She's effectively said no by the absence of saying yes. They've gone back to her place. Then she, then they're starting to get a little bit amorous with each other. Obviously, that's going to put you in the mood. You know, a, a failed proposal is, yeah. the, is the right mood. I won't marry you, <laughs> but I will touch you up. Yeah. And then, so they're starting to have sex, and it's not great. But then she, like, tries to tie him up. Oh, yeah, I remember this. Yeah. Um, which, you know. He takes him by surprise. Takes him by surprise, and then he just stops it. He's just like, right, I don't, wa- I don't want this. <laughs> I don't want sex. Um, not even gonna tie me up, and it is odd that she just goes straight to that because he's obviously not expecting it. Yeah, I don't know if it's an element of their relationship they've ever done before, but that's again what I'm talking about in terms of this weird dynamic that they have. I thought it, I did think that maybe it, that was quite an interesting thing because here she is trying to tie him up, but he's the senior one. She talks about how she's sometimes quite insecure about his older money and the family that he's got. They're quite well to do and proper and prim, and then here she is trying to tie him up. And that was something that actually aroused her. Yeah, I think she likes having power. I may have thought too much about that. <laughs> <laughs> or at least she's dressed up as someone who, who enjoys having some form of power. Yeah. But there's always like this implicit thing with her New York boyfriend that she is unsatisfied with that relationship. Yes. And that's part of the reason they're not living together. That's part of the reason why she treats his proposal with silence. Do you know mm. what I mean? Um. And then when she tries to tie him up or whatever at the start, is that a way of trying to inject some of the stuff that she wants Maybe. in her life? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But there are also, for me, there's also other red flags. So she goes down to Texas. Then he's calling and text, uh, texting quite continuously. Yeah. And then when he when she doesn't respond, he just shows up, which yeah. I think yeah. is a big red flag. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You mean, are you saying that he's a he's a red flag? Yeah, for sure. Okay. That behavior, I feel, is... So, because he's basically not getting the answers he wants, so he's just going to... Well, he's not getting any answers at all. That's the problem. Yeah, but I think, you know... I felt a bit sorry for him at times. Mm, I don't know. There was something about that. I think he was a bit creepy, <laughs> a like, bit creepy. granted. Yeah. However, she was being a twat. Well, yeah. I mean, no one in this book is... I think no one in any of the books comes out... <laughs> But yeah, this one is not full of sympathetic characters. No, no, no. She happens to spot... She thinks she's seen Jake. No, she's told that he's out of prison. Yeah, but she thinks she sees him at a conference speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. she knew by that point that he was out of oh, prison. Oh, yeah, Chloe told her that yeah. he's out of prison. And only just out of prison as well. Coincidence. Yeah. yeah. And then she delivers her speech. Yeah, so her speech is about... Uh, is the book that she's talking about called A Perfect Letter or The Perfect Letter or something. And it's a whole load of shit about how words are very powerful and how 
they jump off the page and there's this connection between the writer and the reader and all this absolute guff that is supposed to basically be a way of saying aren't books really powerful aren't words really powerful and we read this speech in its entirety which in terms of the actual novel felt like about 50 pages but in reality was probably about five and it was just long really long really boring she was talking about the fact that this book was amazing but i think also the people at this conference were supposed to be there to make proposals of their own um for books that they would like to be published and then at the end of this speech which she was hung over delivering the whole crowd in erupted into this wonderful applause let me just see because i wrote down a little quote they were clapping extravagantly now i don't know what an extravagant clap is it's sort of a lot of a lot more arms like yeah. the hands are clapping but the arms are really going to really town into it so the clap is not just hand based yep. it's the whole body you're yep. throwing into this clap um so yeah this speech she makes at the conference goes down brilliantly in literary world but like a lead balloon in my head how is it being an English teacher, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> you feel like you're inspiring kids with literature. Very much so. I use all of these books in my teaching. Um, but while she is either delivering the speech or just post-speech when she's mingling, whatever, she thinks she sees Jake with this guy in a Stetson in the back just yeah. being all mysterious. I always picture stuff. him wearing sort of like triple denim. That's like a uniform, is it not? Yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she sees him at this conference and then their relationship kicks off again not long after that. So And so she thinks she sees him, so she runs out to try and find him, borrows a stranger's car, and then drives around this place where this um, conference has taken place. She goes in about three shops and doesn't find him. And then she sort of like oh, goes, yeah. <laughs> goes to the dock. I think one of those shops as well that she goes to, is it not like a saddle shop? As well? <laughs> like to really drive the home stereotype. the stereotype of Texas and what Texas is like. Yeah, there's definitely, definitely goes into a cowboy boot shop or something. Yeah, kind of, I wouldn't yeah. necessarily recommend reading this if you wanted to learn about the Texas way of life. I don't know. No. She eventually find, finds Jake via the, you know, universal forces that bring them together. It's written in the stars. Yep. And then... And uh, letters. Yeah. And then they begin their relationship. Very sexual. In a very intense sexual relationship. Very intense sexual relationship. To the point where she describes herself as being saddle sore. Ugh. Ugh. Now, is that a stereotypical Texas thing? I don't know. I don't know. I think... I mean, obviously, you can be saddle sore. Of course you can. From being in a saddle all day. Whether you can be sad or sore from having sex on such a frequent basis, I I don't know, is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't want to sound like a biologist, but I assume you're more likely to be sad or sore if you're the female in that situation as opposed to the male. I mean, there's a certain element... If you're in a heterosexual relationship. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you want me to say. I mean, there's a certain element of... You've said <laughs> There's a certain element of... Friction involved in both parts. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if you're the, again, in a heterosexual relationship, mm. if you're the woman, mm -hmm. you're more, you're wider, aren't you? 
<laughs> I'm gonna cut all of this. <laughs> you mean so your 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 legs are apart? So yeah. maybe your your yes. the, it's sore on Which your. Which is more saddle like. Yeah. It? Okay. I see what you're saying. I think there's. It's I, a weird phrase to have used. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this is the most we've talked about a single incident <laughs> in the book. Um, I hadn't thought about the logistics of it until you brought it up. Okay. People at home might be thinking the same thing. I don't know. <laughs> so. They start their relationship up again, and then she's trying to balance. She's trying to juggle the two, isn't she? At one point, she's trying to juggle having a relationship with Jake and having yeah. a relationship. But bearing in mind, this book takes place in what four days? Four Is five that days. All? It's not a lot. Look it doesn't. It, it doesn't take that. So she's in New York. She flies to Texas. Has a long weekend in Texas, I think, and then it's kind of the end of the book. No, yeah, I think you're right. So I think it's like four or five days. So at one point, she is having this relationship with Jake, which makes her saddle sore. And yet Joseph also shows up. And then she's trying to like stop one from meeting the other, basically. Yeah, I do remember that. Hmm. She's not a very nice person. No. But so in the midst of all this, so at the conference, she meets Russell Benoit. Yeah. He approaches her and starts making, casting aspersions over things that he might know and does know about her. Mm -hmm. And then that's when the blackmail begins. Yeah. And then it kind of leads her down this path of like all these things that happened around the trial and the fact that obviously she knows that she killed him and the guilt she feels about Jake going to prison and all that kind of stuff. But one element that I did find confusing is the reason she is worried about the blackmail is because she's worried also about what her colleagues will think of her mm. and like what it comes out. For, and when it, you know, I think she does specifically talk about, you know, it'll be career, it'll be problems with her career and all that kind of stuff. I also was thinking, well, surely all of your colleagues would have definitely Googled you. So this trial mm. would have definitely come up at some point. You're like, the co her colleagues will definitely know about this. Because someone at some point would have Googled her and been like, wow, this came up. You're, you went through this, you know. So I don't understand this element of blackmail. For me, there was no, there was no threat. I don't know. I think the blackmail thing added something extra to the plot, maybe. I mean, she did kill him. It it did need that extra thing. Like this, I don't think this could have been a book that was basically about. Well, maybe it could have been a book that was basically about the 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 three of them, mm. Jake, Lee, and Joseph. But I feel like having that extra element on top was fine. But I think the blackmail was just handled badly. I just didn't think it worked because, like I say, I think. A part of her biggest fear was that her colleagues were going to find out about everything well, that Well, a happened. lot of her fear was think, about well, her bloody career. Like, one of the reasons... Like, she was evidently unhappy in her relationship with that Joseph dude. But one of the reasons she felt like she needed to stay with him, and I was going to talk about this later, is the fact that she owes him yes, stuff. This is the job and whatnot and blah, blah, blah. This is another reason why I thought this guy was more red flags. Because of their dynamic... She all she mentions that like I've got a page in my notes where it's just literally her saying things like she owes him her living, she owes him her career, her career would be over if she broke up with him, those sorts of things. But yeah, she is very concerned about. But you know, she's dreamed of being a publisher since she was <laughs> three <Ew>. years old. <laughs> so. It's the classic dream. She's living it. <laughs> they have this blackmail, um, which plays out. Mm -hmm. And it gets resolved in the sense that Ben dies in a fire. Or is it Ben? No, it's the other one dies in a fire. Sorry. Russell Benoit. He dies in a fire. But the reason he he goes in... Wait. 
Okay. She gives him all the money. She does give him all of her grandfather's money. Yeah. Yep. So he's asking for all this money that is her, essentially in her in- inheritance. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to fight against it, blah, blah, blah. She tells Chloe, her best mate, all about it. And mm-hmm. Chloe and Jake are trying to figure out a way for her not to have to give away this money. Um, in the meantime, Russell Benoit comes to um, Lee and takes all the money. Yeah. Because she's gone and got it out of the bank. And then he goes back to his house, I suppose. It's like a shack type yeah, thing, the way yeah. it's described. And the money is... Is it in... Has he put it in a sofa or something? Yeah, he stuffed a sofa with however much money. someone, and I can't remember who, sets the shack on fire. Yeah. And Russell Benoit goes back in to try and retrieve the money yeah. and doesn't. Yeah. The other the element of that I find confusing is that, so she has her grandfather's inheritance money, which I can't remember the figure. It's a large amount of money, but she just has it in a bank. She's never touched it, which is bullshit. Mm-mm. <laughs> She's never touched that insane... Like, it is a hefty amount of money that has been left to her. Um, and she's like, oh, yeah, I just never used it. I never... I was like, what? That's bollocks. You, not once as a student, you thought, you know what? I want to treat myself to a car here or something <laughs> like that. I just thought that was nonsense. Yeah. Well, she's a nonsense character. At the end of the novel, we have the... the what What comes out of this is that... Lee leaves Joseph. Joseph, she breaks up with him. Stays with Jake. She, we, yeah. She agrees to publish two novels. Mm-hmm. So one is one of the person, one of the people that she met at this conference, a Jim Stevens. Yeah, who seems like a nice guy. Yeah, he's an older gentleman. Reminds her of her grandfather. Yeah. He has written a a war memoir mm-hmm. about his time of being a a soldier, mm-hmm. and so she agrees to publish that. But then she's all of a sudden turns it around on Jake and says, and I'm also going to publish all the letters that you never sent me. Because they were the perfect letter. They were the perfect letter. So that's pretty much the the. Because when pop. she when she breaks up with Joseph, that's also a chance for her to leave her job. So the question I wanted to ask you, mm. and it's funny because... There are definitely novels written by men. Yep. And they write compelling female characters. We've but, seen them before. Yeah. But not I for this podcast. I was interested in your feelings in regards to this book as to how you felt about a male mm-hmm. writing a book of this nature with a female lead, mm-hmm. very sexual sexualized elements, and also you know, she is very career driven and what you felt about that. And do you think like, was it well captured? It depends what you mean by well captured. Mm. I think because of Chris Harrison's main, I want to say job as being the host of The Bachelor Bachelorette. Yeah. Maybe he has this impression that he understands both male and female psyches Mm. pretty well because he spends a lot of time with with both. Helping them all find love. Yeah, which is what the world is all about, really. And I think maybe within the novel, there was some kind of striving to create some kind of independent woman with, you know, high flying job, blah, 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 going to Texas. Oh, I don't need to rely on my grandfather's money. You know, all that malarkey. However, the character he's created in Lee is extremely reliant on men and very aware 
of the impact her decisions make on the or might have on the men around her and is often at the whim of men and the whole novel is about her relationship with Jake oh but I've also got this relationship with this guy oh but he also gave me the job and oh and a lot of it what maybe intentionally there was supposed to be some kind of oh this is a strong independent woman um she dealt with the blackmailer she dealt with this she dealt with that but did she and you just kind of think oh it kind of slipped into those lazy tropes that we've seen in previous novels that we've looked at for this the constant reliance on male characters yeah because it's funny because what you said then a moment about the sort of reliance on the men around her because when it comes to her relationship with joseph like i say she often talks about how breaking up with him would end her career and you know she couldn't they couldn't continue to work together which is baloney like you're adults (laughs) have you ever said baloney before well, it's definitely nonsense if that makes you feel better. Like you would, you could definitely like. I'm not saying it would be a fun experience, but you could definitely break up with someone and continue to work with them. Definitely, it's a child's mentality to think that you couldn't. Mm. And it's not the basis for a relationship no. in the first place. No. So she has these comments that she makes about Joseph, and then in regards to Jake, at the other end, she is then more inclined to submit sexually, physically. Mm. To, to him like he is very like like there's one scene i'm thinking of that we spoke about a moment ago where he there are they have a and a public mm. sex in a motel uh and he's like pinned her down hasn't he basically at yeah. one point there's you know something very physical about about that element and she submits that and i don't see her as being any different really to a lot of the other female characters that we've looked at even if the main aim was for her to be this kind of independent career woman. Because evidently she's written as someone who's very successful within her career, Yeah. but she's not necessarily celebrating that on her own merit. It always comes back to, I'm in this position because of this man and this man and this man. Because I do think that to a certain extent, maybe he was legitimately trying to strive for a strong female lead. Mm -hmm. Because he does give her certain elements. So, like, the inheritance money thing. Although I think it's nonsense that she wouldn't have spent a penny. He does obviously make a point of saying that, she, you know, she had that financial independence if she needed it. But she didn't need it. Mm. And then things like her job. It is recognised within the book that, she, you know, the, the the people around her, her colleagues, do talk about that she is very good at her job. Yeah. And then she obviously publishes those works. The and then I think the reason she is... Because at one point she's going to be made like a senior member within the yeah. organization that she currently works for. And the reason for that is because she's managed to convince a very reclusive writer to publish to publish, yeah. Yeah, publish his work and all that kind of stuff. So I think there were I think maybe that's what maybe makes it more jarring and more disappointing was that there was an, a genuine attempt to write a strong female character and to deal with relationships and sexual politics and all that kind of stuff but it does feel like it falls very short because it has these grand ideas but then the very sort of day-to-day of this character is that oh i can't break up with him because it would mean i would lose my job yeah and i really fancy this guy so i'm gonna submit sexually to him in every way and you you know so lots of like eye-rolling moments Mm. really Mm. not that i'm saying if you're an author your main character can be whoever you want them to be um but the issue is don't fall into like lazy gender stereotypes definitely 
let's talk about our best bits. Okay, okay. My, I had two best bits. Okay. I liked, and apologies if this is comments up on your list. The thing that I found quite funny in one of the scenes was, so she's searching for Jake. Yep. She's trying to find him everywhere. She's looked in those three shops and he's not in any of them. Saddles. He's not been in. He's not in the saddle shop. He's not in the, <laughs> the boot shop. The, the cowboy boot shop, <laughs> and he's not in the Stetson shop. Where could he be? Where could he possibly be? Anyway, they see each other on the dock. They're drawn to each other. Then you have a couple of pages of them like ramping up this sexualization between them and like the heat of them and they're like really want to go at it with each other and then he just goes oh they stop (laughs) because they realize they were in public (laughs) i just thought it was oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah we're out in public so then they sort of like wandered back to his car and then picked it up there basically yeah yeah that was weird there were a couple of occasions where they're in very like publicy spaces Mm -hmm. And are just, you know, carrying on. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I thought that was quite funny because I thought it was... I think I think it would... I think I would have had more respect if it, if they'd have just gone at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you wanted? Absolutely. Banging hard on the docks. Do on you the feel, docks. like, disappointed? <laughs> like, you were brought up to this level and then they stopped. She's like, oh, what a waste of my time. It kind of feels like... Do you know what it feels like? It feels like Chris Harrison wrote that section... Like he and he was really proud of it, and then he went, "Oh, they're out in public. I can't have them have sex." Okay, well, I'll just I'll just pretend that they've stopped, and then they wander off. I've got ways to play with it. <laughs> yeah, <fine. laughs> yeah, but he's like, he wrote this really sexual scene, and he's like, "Well, I'm not cutting it, but it doesn't make sense narratively, so I'll just like jarringly stop it and move them to somewhere else." Yeah, so I I, like I did enjoy that bit. The other thing I enjoyed, and I don't even know what this is, just in my notes, but I've written it down. Oh, no. So there was two things that there, there was a repetitive phrasing that I quite enjoyed. I don't know about you, but I found this repeated over and over. And again, I felt like this was copy and paste and that this was like, the words. I've got a word count here. So he uses the phrase lying on the pillow, head thrown back, mouth open in a light snore. Oh, yeah. To describe how everyone sleeps. <laughs> like everyone sleeps like that. Like no one's on their side. No one's on their front. Everyone has a light snore. They're all but their head thrown back. As yeah, well. that's not comfortable. Genuinely, uh, he. I think if we went back through it and we just looked at that phrasing, it would come up like eight Loads or nine times. times. Yeah. The other thing that I actually found very funny, and again, I don't know when it came up because it's just something I've written down and 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 I reread my notes and I found it funny. But he uses at one point a horse a horse sized syringe, which yeah, I thought was funny because, because, well. <laughs> because I literally imagine a, a syringe the size of a horse. <laughs> But then I don't know whether I don't know whether what he means is it's a syringe that's meant to be big enough for a horse, or if it's a syringe that is the size of a horse. Well, because that's in my best bits as well. I wrote down the full quote, and the syringes were in the glove compartment of okay. his car. Okay. So unless his car is like some fucking monster truck. Okay. Yeah. So they weren't literally the size of a horse. They were just. <laughs> I wish that they were though. Yeah. There, okay. is, there is some funny phrasing in there. Yes. Um, so yeah, my two favorite bits. Well, I have other favorite favorite bits as well. So I liked. Well, I've written down her conference speech is stupid, but the crowd love it. That's yep. when I wrote down the clapping mm-hmm. extravagantly mm-hmm. thing. Um, when all the money is burnt at the end, that was quite funny. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> also, yeah, I didn't want her to have that money in the end. So fuck you, Lee. Um, the conspiracy of drugging the horses, the horse-sized syringes. That was a favorite bit. Yep. My other favorite bit 
So I've only got one really to talk about is you've talked already about the fact that we see these letters popping up from time to time and they're the letters that Jake wrote to Lee and never sent yes. when he was in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, so in one of the letters that he wrote, he talks about wanting to smell her hair. <laughs> <laughs> He says how much he misses her hair and all he wants to do is to take the elastic from her ponytail and he wants to breathe her hair in deeply and drown in it. Okay. So, cheers, mate. If you ever said that about my hair, <laughs> I'd cut it all off. i tell you another good bit, actually, I quite enjoyed. I've seen in my notes and it reminded me because you said it was from his time in prison. So, it's, he's come out of prison. He's talking to Lee. This mm. is Jake. And he says... I tried to move on. Now, he's talking about that when he was in prison. In prison. And he was talking about their relationship. Now, what I want to know is how, how? do you try to move on in prison? Was he, like, dating other inmates? <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Because he talks in, in one of his letters as well about um, people thinking that... Oh, rape's funny. Jail rape being funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we go from here? I don't really know what to say now. Imagine that as a, as a, as a, as a love letter oh, no. and reading it. So jail, jail rape's going to be funny. Ooh. <laughs> Best wishes. Best wishes. <laughs> um, in another letter, he talks about the fact that he has been reading Anna Karenina, which is similar to what you were yes. saying early on at yes. the start. Again, one of these tropes where oh, I'll just chuck in some Shakespeare yep. or yep. Yep. Dostoevsky and see what happens. Definitely. Because um, he also doesn't he also read Crime and Punishment as well? And he's, yeah. like, he makes some sort of... Uh, it's just a bit of a knobbish yeah, thing to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and he keeps saying, I keep thinking. Although I have read Crime and Punishment. Dickhead. I, I read it when I was a teenager as well. It's just something I did. <laughs> it's a shame that podcasts can't pick up on like facial expressions. Um, so yeah, when he mentions in there that he's been reading Anna Karenina, he talks about the fact that books are really important and they really speak to you, which is essentially what his stupid conference speech was all about. And I wondered at the time, like, why is he writing this in a letter? Is he trying to impress her? But then if he is trying to impress her, why is he not fucking sending the letters to her in the first place? It was just a bit of a dickish thing to say. Mm. And the final thing that I enjoyed about his letters, it's the same letter when he talks about drowning in her hair. She tries to go and visit him in prison and he refuses to see her. He won't come out for her. But in his letter, he says he won't come out for anyone but Jesus. (laughs) So what she should have done was Dressed say, Jesus. Yeah, I'm here to see. Do you want to tell us about your literary analysis? Yes. Which I'm hoping is just going to be sexually charged. Well, as is very common for my literary analysis, I, do, I did start off by talking about the male and female relationships and the way in which um females are represented but we've we've kind of already talked about that a little bit mm-hmm. um so we talked about the fact that lee felt like she owed joseph a relationship almost because of the job she felt she couldn't leave him because of a job because of a role blah 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 but when the breakup happens um when they're in texas joseph comes and visits her she talks about the fact that she has this relationship with someone else but he explicitly asks her within that conversation whether she's been offered a job by someone else. So there's some kind of implicit understanding, potentially, that their relationship is founded on the fact that they both work together. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. Um, but Convenient. Also, 
very convenient. If you're working with each other, it just makes sense to date each other as well. Yeah, yeah. And um, then when you leave that organization, break up with that person and then start dating someone else at your new place. Yeah, <laughs> just makes life a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when he was talking during this breakup scene, it's described as if his voice... Because she, she compares Jake and Joseph and if she said if Jake had heard this information, he might have punched a wall, for example, out of frustration. Whereas Joseph went all quiet and sounded exactly like his aristocratic mother. <laughs> And I just wanted to see what that would sound like. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, suddenly just goes all high-pitched. You're breaking up with me. <laughs> so I thought that was quite funny. Um, so, yeah, th- their relationship is problematic. But like I've said before, I did feel a little bit sorry for his character. He's, just a, bit of a, he's a bit of a wet blanket. He though, is he? a big wet blanket. Yeah. But she's just not helping the matter, you know? Yeah. Um, but the thing that you want to talk about is the sex. Oh, yeah. So the sex scenes with Jake are uh, very graphic, mm. plentiful when they mm-hmm. do happen. Ultimately, well, though, saddle saw. That's how plentiful. What do we mean by saddle saw? <laughs> <laughs> so their relationship is very, very sexual, very graphic. The public making out you've already discussed. Yep. Um. Th- so there's two incidents of public making out. The one, the one on the dock when they first meet, mm-hmm. and another one where. Lee is in this motel and isn't she in a room with Joseph and Jake knocks on the door and she leaves the the room. Yeah, I definitely got in my notes at one point that she, whether she overtly agrees to marry him or that he's assumed that they're now engaged and then she immediately goes out and sleeps with Jake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it so might be that he's, point. he's, Joseph is still in the room asleep, mm-hmm. probably with his mouth open, yep. <laughs> snoring quietly. Yep. So she comes out of the motel room when Jake knocks on the door and they go into this room where you can get ice from. Yes. And that is integral to this sex scene. Yep. Um, but they they start, they had a conversation and I'm sure they talked about the fact that Joseph was in the other room and that's why he couldn't come in, blah, 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 yeah. blah. Um, they talk about them being in full view of the hillside path. So this room is not private. It's mm-hmm. like a public place. Um, did you want to talk about this scene a little bit more because of the ice? No, no. No, I've got nothing. You carry on. Oh, okay. Um, so Jake utilizes the ice as some kind of sex tool. Yeah. To nipples. <laughs> now the thing, <laughs> the other thing I wanted to. You just... said you had nothing to add. No, 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 no. But the thing I did want to just as a as an a wider thing about this book. So this makes me think of what you were just about to say because basically he applies ice to her nipples, right? Yes. That's the. That's correct. Yeah. Now there in this book the the sexual elements. There is a lot of discussion about nipples. Yeah, loads. But there's, I found it interesting that there's very little reference to v- to vaginas. Maybe Chris Harrison's scared of the vagina. And he, but he uses phrases like "center of pleasure." Oh yeah, he does. <laughs> which I found very strange. And I and I was trying to think about it. I was trying to think about like, obviously, books are not they're not graded like films. No. But maybe it is a thing. But maybe it is a th- maybe subconsciously an author will. Is nipple in within the safe zone? Yeah, and whereas vagina wouldn't be, would that take it into a like a, a different category within a book, and therefore commercially it might not sell quite as well because now it's been pushed into the back room of erotica rather than. 
the romance stream. or the fiction element. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't sure, but I, it, I found I found it strange that he did he did often use euphemistic terms like center of pleasure, but he was throwing nipples around like there was no tomorrow. <laughs> it's a really good point. I hadn't thought about before because that's the kind of thing that will come in um, to further conversation when we think about the next book. As yeah, well. yeah. Because there's there's loads of like metaphorical ways of saying vagina mm. or penis mm. without saying those two words yeah. but, but people seem well authors for whatever reason seem to be more scared of saying vagina mm. than penis yeah. that says a lot about the society we live in I it think. does anyway sorry so yeah on. they're they're getting hot and heavy mm-hmm. in this ice room um which is a paradox in of itself and then doesn't a, a maid walk in at one point, so they don't, they don't, so. they don't complete their mission. Um, but yeah, all all of their stuff is sexual. I've not written down everything to be honest. No. One quotation I did write down because I didn't understand how it happened, and I can't yeah. remember in what situation this did happen. It was either when they were younger in one of the flashback sex scenes, or at another point. They talk about Lee. Mm-hmm. And saying she was pressed against him, knees to breasts. I had that written down, knees to breasts. I didn't understand what that meant. I don't understand what that she, means. He, it was another one of those weird phrases that he used repeatedly that people were lying against each other, like knees to breast. But does Is that he mean... like pinning her down? Is that not like a, a police tactic so they, that she can't move? Or is she... so I thought she was... I thought it was her knees to her breast. Oh. So is she fetal? Oh, maybe. Or are they fetal positioned together? <laughs> so the both... What we need is a diagram. But knees to breast was a frequent term that he, a phrase that he did use. So. There, there is some strange like logistics mm. in terms of how they position themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where her centre... Maybe it's to do with her centre of pleasure. Right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe that's not why, the vagina at all. That's why he doesn't use the term, because the centre of pleasure is <laughs> it like, moves. Yeah, halfway up her back. <laughs> um, so yeah, weird phrasing to yeah. describe sexual things. Yes. But then later on in the novel, so she's broken up with Joseph. Mm-hmm. She and Jake also have a conversation, and Jake makes this comment saying that they can't be together either mm-hmm. so she's lost jake she's lost joseph she's lost all this money and yep. this fire yeah and there's again this quote like standing on her own two feet for the first time in her life and then there's like this weird sentence which is like again a stereotypical thing where she opens this door into the sunshine almost as if this is my new life and then like 10 pages later she's back with jake yeah and publishes <laughs> his book yeah yeah and then, so she goes at the very end of the novel when she goes back to her family's ranch. Jake is in a stable or something. Yeah, I believe so. Some yeah, kind yeah. of weird stable thing. And she's like essentially undressing him and trying to have sex with him. Yeah. And he's just like stiff as a board. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I can stop if you want me to. And Jake doesn't speak. But she makes a comment about his overwhelming male pride. There you go. No penis. No penis reference, but he's overwhelming. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that as a metaphor, but yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, there's, yeah. Yeah. A lot of sex. <laughs> a lot of sex. She had her independence. She had her, you know, her chance to, to do things on her own for 10 pages. Yeah. But she needed Jake back at the end. Yeah. 
So I just wanted to add a few extra things on that in terms of the sexual stuff because there was a, there was a few comments that I I wrote down. So at one point Lee is talking to Chloe. Yes. About Joseph, and they're discussing the sex life. And Lee says, so Chloe's obviously said, oh, how are you? Are you happy? Mm-hmm. How is it? You know, your time together. And so Lee says, I am. I mean, it's always good. Chloe says, it's good. That's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> then as almost to sort of like top the I'm good. Lee says, I mean, satisfying. Like she like brings it down. Like. In terms of a literary, like, you wouldn't say, oh, it's good. And so, oh, that's really interesting. We go, no, I, I mean, you know, it's fantastic. It's great. Instead, she just doubles down in the different. Yeah. She goes, it's good. Oh, that's a ring endorsement. Yeah, actually, now that you say that, I mean, it's kind of satisfying. <laughs> it's like, it's a weird, go, to go down on that note rather than up is odd. Which is also weird because at the start of the novel, she talks about her relationship. Well, the narrative voice, whatever, mm. talks about the relationship with Joseph. And saying that she, over the last few years, that they, however long they've been together, she'd been teaching him how yes. to pleasure her. Another, so I've got that quote, it says, he was a practice, practiced, considerate, skilled lover. And the two years together had taught him how to please her. But now, just satisfying. Two, now, let me, I don't want to, listen, I don't want to brag. <laughs> but two years? No, it's a long time. Feels like a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. Well, they don't live together. They so. don't live together, but seriously, like you know, in that first flurry of a romance, just can't get your hands off each exactly. other. Exactly. Anyway, the final thing I wanted to, to 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 talk about, and this is this is this must be yeah, Lee with Jake. I put here. <clears throat> <laughs> Settling. Settling. Jake's hands pinning her down while she writhed beneath him. And came so hard, she thought she might faint. <laughs> now, do you feel like it's appropriate that Chris Harrison wrote that statement? <laughs> do, you, do you feel it's appropriate that anyone wrote Please that? Please accept my rose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only other thing that I've got for literary analysis, and the only reason I've written it down is because I've talked about a, a teeth simile before mm. when we read framed okay there's a simile for russell benoit's teeth oh yeah um so i'm on teeth watch basically okay yeah because you talked about the uh, cheese, teeth. cheese teeth yep, <laughs> yep. In, so in this one russell benoit is described as having terrible small brown teeth that look like baked beans <laughs> that is a good one actually so we've got lots of food um descriptors for teeth in books so if i ever see another tooth simile i'll be including it in a future podcast good tip bits so i didn't want to talk too much about so i don't really know too much about chris harrison's career i've not talked about that shame on you but what i do want to discuss in terms of tip bits is the fact that we know him simply because he is the host of the show bachelor bachelorette bachelor paradise Mm -hmm. however He's no longer the host. Really? Yes. Is this why we it hasn't been on ITV for ages? No, because it's still a show. Okay. But it basically, so what's happened? So let me, so I wasn't really 100% certain of what's the, the full ins and outs. I knew he had been fired or at least left the show. Ooh. The reason being, so there's a, one of the, so the Bachelor one year was a contestant uh, called 
with someone called Matt James. Now, Matt James is significant for the show because he's an African-American. Right. And the show is actually really bad. Yeah. So The Bachelor and The Bachelorette have always, primarily, always been white Caucasians. Yeah, yeah. We've had one female Bachelorette that's been African-American. And now we've got one male Bachelor who is African-American. So one of the people that, one of the, the... the people trying to date Matt James was a lady called Rachel Kirk Connell. Okay. She actually made it all the way to the end as well, but he didn't propose to her. Okay. Um, but what happened is some photos came out of her attending an antebellum Old South themed party. And therefore there were some racist photos oh. of her in this, attending this party. But, the reason this got Chris Harrison in trouble was he then went on a show that was hosted by the bachelorette Rachel Lindsay, who was the female African-American, yeah. the only other African-American to have been the lead on this show. He went on her show and in the interview, he just basically said things along the lines of these girls got dressed and went to party and had a great time. So we didn't condemn it? No. <clears throat> so I'll read you his full, a full statement because I thought it was quite interesting. So... I haven't talked to Rachel about it, and this is where we need to have a little grace because I have some stuff. I have seen some stuff online. This judge, jury, executioner thing, where they're just tearing this girl's life apart and diving into her parents and her parents' voting record, which seems to suggest something Ooh. a bit shady. Anyway, is unbelievably uh, alarming to watch. Um, I haven't heard Rachel speak on this yet, and until I actually hear this woman have a chance to speak, who am I to say any of this? I saw a picture of her at a sorority party five years ago, and that's it. I'm not defending Rachel. I just know that 50 million people who did that in 2018. That was a type of party that a lot of people went to. Is it? My guess, these girls got dressed and went to a party, had a great time. They were 18 years old. Does that make it okay? I don't know. Rachel, you tell me. But where is this lens we're holding up? And that, and was that lens available? And were, all, and were we all looking through it in 2018? Ooh, 2018 so, is not that long ago. Not that long ago. Given his prominence within this show, probably he should have just been like, yeah, that's it's not appropriate. Yeah. Like, why that's not his first instinct is alarming. But he did walk away with an eight-figure settlement no, from Bachelor. So I think he'll be all right. I also do know, it's funny you should say you want to know what is going on in his love life. Yeah. I do know that he is currently engaged. He recently got engaged to his girlfriend. Right, because at the start of the <clears> book, <throat> it mentions... It like credits his sons or kids or whatever. Mm. Um, so I'm thinking, oh, so maybe what's he's your relationship. He must have been status? divorced and potentially. Yes. So I also so here's another tit bit. Mm. Okay. I'm gonna read you a small synopsis. Okay. Synopsis. Okay. An old man reads from a notebook to an old woman about a romance between a poor lumber mill worker and a wealthy heiress. Parents do not approve of the match, um, and the lumber mill worker writes to the heiress a letter every day for a year. Now, can you tell me what book have I just described? I'll give you a clue. What film have I also just described? Make me feel like I should know the answer to this. It's very famous. I I can't guarantee that you've read or seen it, but very famous and very famous actors portray those. <clears throat> I'll give you a clue. I read out the title at the very beginning. Did you? Mm-hmm. 
the very beginning of my statement. So I don't know. That's the synopsis for the film and the book, The Notebook, written by Nicholas Sparks. Oh, right, yeah, because that's, Nicholas Sparks is, is like, <laughs> I know. credited as I someone, know. isn't he? But what? Is that not and also... And yes, I have read it. And is this also not the synopsis for this yes, book? Yes, it absolutely <laughs> is. It absolutely is. Which well, I people found... say this is like Nicholas Sparks-esque. I found it incredible because in the final acknowledgements, he says, I all big up props to Nicholas Sparks. We met and I was inspired to write a novel. Now, first of all, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Sparks is an incredibly successful writer. Yeah. He's written... I did the... I had a little look. He's written 20-odd books. Yeah. 11 of them are made into films. Yeah. Great. Good for him. Whether he's a good author and whether if I was to meet him, I would be inspired to write a book <laughs> is another fucking question. Maybe Chris Harrison met him and went... Can't be that hard. Can't be that. <laughs> when I say I'm inspired to write a book, I mean, I met you and you're a fucking idiot. So I could definitely do this. Not only that, but I'm also going to write a book that's exactly like one of your books. And twice as long. Yeah. Which, so I thought that was quite funny because he yeah. ded- he writes in the dedication or the, the, the acknowledgement at the end. I wrote, I met Nicholas Sparks and it was an inspiring meeting and it inspired me to write this book. Yeah. Which is odd because you've written a book that's basically... Arguably, Nicholas Sparks' most famous yeah. book. Yeah, it is. It is very Nicholas Sparks-esque in tone. Very Nicholas Sparks. That doesn't mean you should read it, though. What, the notebook? No, this one. Oh, this one. Or the notebook, oh, I suppose. No, no. Um, so that was my tip bits. Very good. Thank I you very much. Those. Yes, thank you. Are we on reviews? We're on reviews. Yes. Now, let me tell you. Now, I've only done these this morning. But they're a fucking gold mine for this book. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, there are some brilliant. So do you, you want... know why? Because they're Nicholas Sparks esque. Do you want to read? Do you want some fives or ones? Fives. Fives. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Five star review. This is from Amazon. <clears throat> this is written by K J A. <laughs> now I, this is quite a long one, and I picked this out specifically for one moment and one moment alone. Okay, I'll see if I can so figure this it was, out. So this was written 19th of February, 2021. Not I, that long ago. Nope. I chose to read this book because I've always been a been a fan of Chris Harridan <laughs> on the Bachelor franchise shows. Who? <laughs> <Ew. laughs> was that the moment? <laughs> That's so funny. So funny to be like, I've been such a big fan of Chris Harrigan. Who? Five out of five. <laughs> anyway. You're an idiot. <laughs> you didn't give us your full name. Okay. He's always been kind, compassionate and caring with his cast of people looking for love. I'm sad to hear that he's stepping away from the show due to some overblown drama Ooh. and misunderstandings. However, if he must... He has loads of material to write about after all the love and passion he has witnessed all these years. I look forward to his next romantic novel. <laughs> Chris Harrington. I've always been a big fan of Chris Harrington. <laughs> it's another five out of five. This is by a woman called Dora Beale. Okay. This was written, uh, this review was written 16th of August, 2015. Now I'm going to have to read this in a very specific way. So, Dora Beale, five out of five stars and beyond. Can't wait for Chris's next book. I had, now when I first read that I was like, "What she mean and beyond?" But what she means is five out of five plus plus. She'd give it more if she could. <laughs> okay. You've only got five to play with, Dora. Yeah. 
Okay, this is a good one as well. Dev Geely? Five out of five. And they've titled this, A Book You Won't Be Able to Put Down. Okay. This was 25th of June, 2020. I just read this book for the second time. <laughs> I didn't realize it until I'd read it for a while. So, from that first statement, straight out of the gate, they're reading this book for the second time, which they hadn't realized they'd read it for the first time? Is that what they're saying? <laughs> So they'd forgotten. I'd read it. <laughs> forgotten I'd read it before. Then I kept reading and enjoyed it as much as I did the first time or more. It's an excellent read. You get scared, frustrated, <laughs> excited, happy, sad, and everything in between Whoa. in this book. Then it has the best ending ever. Does it? Best ending ever. Okay, this one's really long, but again, I quite enjoyed it again. Okay. So I don't have a name. This was just written by a Kindle customer. Five out of five. Okay. This was 20- 13th of June, 2015. Again, this is another incredible opening line, right? <laughs> I started last night, dozed off for a little while, <laughs> for a little over an hour, woke up and finished reading this book. <laughs> five out of five stars. I fell asleep. <laughs> I fell asleep when I started it. That's how good it is. I just fell asleep. <laughs> With my head thrown back. My mouth open. Yeah. Okay. I started last night, <laughs> dozed off for a little over an hour, woke up and just finished finished reading this book. I love it because it's not only a good love story, it's a wholesome love story. No special sexual crap, which definitely what? is, that everyone seems to want to write. As I was reading this book, I thought how Chris wrote so much like Nicholas Sparks. Yeah, because he fucking just copied you don't him. Say. And be done if it did not acknowledge Nick. And be done if it did not acknowledge Nicholas at the end of the book. Their writings are so similar. Anyway, I'd give this book five stars. It kept me up all night. I had to reach the ending. I want one more book about these characters. You, the reader, will know what I want when you finish this one. Excellent job, Chris. You surprised me. There you go. So I've got two more five stars. They're both definitely worthwhile reading. And we'll, leave, we'll read out some one, one star. So this is okay. the last one from Amazon. This was 14th of June, 14th of January, 2021. Enjoy the book. Quick and accurate. Accurate? I don't know what that means. <laughs> there are saddle shops in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, and this is another good one. So this is from Ryan Barker. This one was taken from Goodreads. Okay. Five stars. Five stars because Chris Harrison wrote it. Otherwise, it'd be three stars. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Harrison Harridan. Got, <laughs> Chris Harridan has got a lot of pull <laughs> Your celebrity status is such That yeah. you get two stars automatically So this is, these are one stars now Okay This is from Stephanie Burgess Okay One out of five 27th of March 2021 Now she has given this a title But I don't want to give it to you Because it's going to really ruin the. Re- it's going to reveal her her, okay. her review. Okay. <clears throat> so she writes, Received this book yesterday, extremely damaged. When I opened the box and pulled the book, the front page is fairly bent along the most of the pages. That's it. <laughs> one out of five. <coughs> What's the title of the review? Severely damaged. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we could argue that that is a description of the characters in the novel as That's well. That's true. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. One out of five stars. This, I think, so this is Amazon. And I think it's, so it says, the, the person's name is Bad Woman's Anatomy. But it's like R forward slash, which I think it's like a Reddit thing. I don't really fully know. Uh, okay. Anyway, so this is reviewed 
in the United States, 23rd of April, 2019. Read this for a book club. This moving tale uses the backdrop of lust to pull back the curtain on strong, independent women and show that they're really just little girls being propped up by stronger, independenter <laughs> men. The one star was given for the accuracy of the female lead being too saddle sore to have sex for the fifth time in, in less than 24 hours. Sorry. 10 out of 10 would hate read this book again just for the how-to on basic bitch tattoos, Stetson and various earthly tones and poorly described oral sex. Oh wow! I know. <clears throat> so there's a lot to unpack. There's that guy that whoever's written that has a real. They're a real complex character. Very much so. And also, Independenter is a great. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to use that. <laughs> okay, this is also from Good. No, this is from Amazon. Sorry, another one from Amazon. Okay. Says <laughs> this is from. Again, I'm not going to read you the title of their review. This is another one out of five. This is March 2021, and their review simply puts. When I ask for you to put it inside the screen, can you do that? I really don't want my stuff taken. <laughs> what the fuck? Does that even mean? So, so the title of their review is Put it inside the screen door. If it don't fit, hide it and let me know where it is. <laughs> so then what's their review? It's because One star. This is a one star. This is again. So this is from Goodreads. There's two here from Goodreads that I've got at the very end here. One star. It was like a fifth grader's fan fiction of Nicholas Sparks' novel. Yep. Which is probably Accurate. yeah Accurate. the best one. And then this is this is finally this is finally from Grace uh, from Goodreads. This is from a Grace Sirani. One star. They simply put bored to tears. <laughs> It was, it was, it was, it was incredible. And I, could, I only looked those up this morning. I was like, oh shit, we, you know, we might record it today. So I better do some, and I went looking and I was like, oh fuck. And this is, I could read all of these Gold out. Yeah. What's your review? What's your rating and review of this book? Like I've said already, uh-huh. there was definitely an attempt at a strong female character. <clears throat> it wasn't successful. Mm. She was still very reliant on men mm-hmm. who were more independent than <laughs> she, than she yeah. was. Yeah. Um, a lot of things in this novel are very problematic. The mm-hmm. relationships in there are problematic. The number of words, problematic. It was much, much longer than it needed to be. However, because Chris Harrington wrote it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my final rating is two stars. Okay. I Yeah, so I went for one and a half. Fair. Mainly because I looked at it in regards to the other the the ratings I've given for other ones and how I feel it falls in with those. As a book, it wasn't badly written. No. Like we've seen mis- spelling mistakes, <coughs> grammar mistakes, and other ones, but there is so much dull repetition so of boring. the same events that have and it keeps going and keeps talking about them over and over in different ways. You know, either she talks about them directly or they're described in his letters or then they're then re-described again in her letters. It's so much like over and over the same exposition that 
yeah, it's not bad written. It's just too long by half, and it's just a bit dull. And yeah, I agree. The female lead, I think, like I say, I think he tried something, but he's missed. Yeah, we've yet to see a female lead in any of these books, or any female character really who is truly strong mm. or independent of men. Yes. Well, <coughs> super. That was quite a nice return. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. 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 It's been good fun. It's yeah. Been good, good fun. So I look forward to the next one. Next one. Should we? Because I don't know, because it's going to be quite a quick turnaround. So I don't know how, if I'm going to do any mini episodes going forward. Mm. So do you want to announce what the next book will be? Yes. Uh, Hit me with it. Next book is a little known novel mm-hmm. named Viking. Correct. By Fabio. Fabio. Only one word, only one name needed. Again, he's pretty an, another obscure celebrity that maybe not a lot of people listening I'm will not know. I'm 100% sure I know who Fabio is. But that is. just plays in my hands for tidbits. Exactly. And I've already got some great tidbits, let me tell you. Brilliant. Um, but yes, that's our next book, Viking by Fabio. That one is a, in a similar vein. It's a saucy romance. It's very sexual. Swashbuckling adventure tale, really, isn't it? It's like a cross between Fantan and The Perfect Letter. <laughs> not ring endorsements in any way shape or form <laughs> excellent okay well thank you for that very much uh goodbye bye 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 thank you to all those that have listened to the end of the podcast please like subscribe review and recommend us to everyone you know and all your friends A special thank you to my best friend Andy Proudfoot for his technical assistance and patience when it came to answering my endless audio recording questions. Thank you. Bye.